Oh man, I'm glad you're here. I thank God for you. I love you guys watching online. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being engaged in the word of God. And if you're with us for the first time, man, we are delighted that God has brought you. I don't know why you think you showed up, but I believe that God is at work in your life, orchestrating, maneuvering, and he has drawn you here today for his purpose. He's a good God. And so we get the joy together of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus online and in this room. And here's how we do it. I say he is risen. You say he is risen indeed. Are you ready? Here we go. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Oh my gosh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's the truth. You know, we need it. We need that truth because just to be real, uh, we live in a sad news world. It, it feels like this weekend is like a, a glad news oasis surrounding by a sea of sadness. I mean, the last year we've been living through swimming in a sea of COVID sadness. Some of us have been really sick. Some still have not recovered fully. My daughter-in-law, COVID in October, still hasn't regained her sense of taste or smell. So I eat all her ding-dongs and Twinkies for her. Um, oh, it's, it's sad. Some of us have lost loved ones. And we have all, we have all suffered the low-grade sadness of masking and social distancing and, and quarantine. And for some of us, COVID has just been the tip of the iceberg. I mean, beneath the surface, we have suffered the sadness of divorce or the sadness of betrayal and abuse or a loved one, the sadness of a loved one being addicted or the sadness of our addiction. Or always suffered the sadness of regret or remorse or guilt or shame. Suffered the sadness of financial reversal, the, the, the sadness of unemployment, the, the sadness of seeming repeated failure, the sadness that nothing ever works out for me. So here's reality, just to be real. On the downside, we live in a broken, sad news world. In fact, you can fill up your bucket with sadness just by watching the evening news. Another shooting, Georgia, Colorado, California, Washington, D.C., Beloit, Wisconsin, Janesville, Wisconsin. Racism, violence. It's a sad news world, but hold on to the arms of your chair and social distance from the person beside you. Because what I'm about to tell you is going to make you want to stand up and shout hallelujah. Here's the good news. The ultimate upside, we have a glad news resurrected Jesus. And the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. I mean, everything is changed by the resurrection of Jesus. The glad news of the resurrection is not some flimsy, insubstantial glad news. It's a glad news with stained power that hangs in there against all odds, no matter what the circumstance. It's a glad news that is greater than all the sad news in the world. And on a deeply personal level, when you surrender your life to the resurrection of Jesus, it brings about a glad news that overcomes and conquers even all the sad news in your life. 
The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. I don't know any place, at least to me, that this is more beautifully or brilliantly depicted than in the three books of the Lord of the Rings. Have you read the books or seen the movies? You guys have got to get out more. Okay, Lord of the Rings, the compelling scene I want to share with you is from the last book, this epic saga, um, The Return of the King. It's at the end of the book. Good has overcome evil. Good wins, but it's come at a very painful sacrifice. Now, the two characters in this scene are, where's Gandalf? Gandalf. This is Gandalf the White. When the book starts, he's Gandalf the Grey, but he dies and is risen from the dead. He is the Christ figure. Every great piece of great literature has a Christ figure, and Gandalf the White is the Christ figure in Lord of the Rings. The other character in this scene is Samwise. Sam, he's me. Sam, he's you. He's every person. And at this moment, he has been overcome with the victory of good over evil. And he's unconscious. He's in a bed, unconscious, and he's just beginning to regain his senses. And as his eyes open for the first time, here's what happens. Right from the book it reads, Gandalf stood before him, robed in white, his beard was gleaming like pure snow. Who does that sound like? That sounds like the depiction of Jesus in the book of Revelation. Gandalf stood before him, robed in white, his beard was gleaming like pure snow. He said, well, Master Samwise, how do you feel? Sam stared with open mouth for a moment between bewilderment and great joy He could not answer. At last he gasped, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. (laughs) But then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? (laughs) You know what the resurrection of Jesus is? Yes, everything sad right now. When Jesus came back from the grave, hell and death, everything sad started to come untrue. I mean, look at the way Jesus climaxes the book of Revelation. The one Jesus sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. Now, what does that mean in you, in your emotions? What does that mean even in your finances? What does that mean in your most special relationships? What does it mean that Jesus is making everything new? I mean, what does it look like for you? What does it look like for me that everything sad is coming untrue? What does that mean? I believe it's why during the last year of Jesus' ministry, um, he's 32, Prussian 33. Uh, First 30 years of his life that he lived on this planet He just absorbed the word of God, absorbed the love of God, absorbed the power of God. And then for the first two years of his ministry, he goes around teaching and revealing the love of God, healing the sick, raising the dead. But in the third year of his ministry, third and final, he begins to huddle his closest followers together, call a timeout, look them in the eye, go heart to heart and say to them, hey, we're going to Jerusalem and there I will be betrayed and brutally beaten. I will be crucified for your sins, and on the third day, I will rise from the dead. Now, nobody has ever, not in the history of the world before or since, predicted their own death 
and that three days later they would come back from the dead. That's Jesus. Now, he wasn't just giving his guys a heads up. He was giving them the gospel. And maybe you've heard the, the, of the gospel, but you're really not quite sure what it means. Here's what the Bible says it means. By this gospel, you are saved. The Bible has the supernatural power to save a marriage, to save us financially, to save us emotionally, but most importantly, to save us spiritually from hell into heaven and right now to save us into the super abundant life of Jesus. This is what I'm about to tell you. This is the gospel by which you are saved. What I received, this is Paul writing, what I received from Jesus, I pass on to you as of primo importance. Christ died for our sins. According to the scripture, 700 years earlier, it had been prophesied that Jesus would die for our sins in detail. Uh, read Isaiah 53 when you get home and the rest of the Bible for that matter. And he, Jesus, was buried and that he was raised from the dead on the third day, according to the scripture, 700 years earlier, his resurrection had been prophesied. That's the good news. That's the gospel by which we are saved in every way possible, we can be saved. And if that last statement, he was raised from the dead, if that is not true, if this resurrection weekend is not real, then the first statement, the first part that Christ died for our sins, it means nothing. It has no power to cleanse us, to free us of guilt and shame. It's the resurrection of Jesus by which everything sad starts to come untrue. It's by the resurrection of Jesus that everything is made new within us. It's the supernatural power of God released in the re- what the Bible calls the incomparably great power by which God raised Jesus from the dead. And maybe you want to ask, well, David, I get why the resurrection is a big deal. I get why Jesus died for our sins is a big deal. But why would the centerpiece of the gospel be that he was buried? What's up with that? It's important and significant for two reasons. Number one, Jesus was fully and physically dead. When he agonized for hours and hours on the cross at the end, three o'clock in the afternoon, when he expired, he was fully dead. No heart activity, no brain activity. Dead, dead, dead. And he stayed dead. All through Friday afternoon, into Saturday, all through Saturday, until Sunday morning when he is risen, he was days dead. He was not just faint or unconscious that he might somehow wake up and crawl out of the tomb. No, Jesus was fully and physically dead, so he was buried in a stone-sealed tomb. But most importantly, and most personally, the burial of Jesus is the centerpiece of the gospel because it's how we participate personally in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus through baptism. The apostle Paul says, hey, don't you know that when you are baptized, you are buried with Christ and the same power God used to raise Jesus from the dead, he uses to raise you up to walk in newness of life? In fact, I love the way Paul writes it. He says, this is what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. And when we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. And so, last night, 11 people 
were baptized. Yeah, big deal. You think you're clapping. All of heaven is going nuts. And you've already seen people. You know those people you saw baptized earlier? One of my dear friends is going to be baptized in a few minutes. Okay, it's going to be a lot of minutes because I'm still going, baby. What were they doing? They were just obeying the voice of the Spirit of God. Here's how the Word of God says it. What are you waiting for? Get up and get yourself baptized. Scrub clean of all those sins and get personally acquainted with God. It's not just knowing about God. It's coming to know God on a deeply personal basis through the the relationship you have with His Son, Jesus. So let me begin what it means about everything sad coming untrue for your life and in our world by just starting on the most personal level possible because the saddest part of my life and the saddest part of your life is the sadness that we are each personally responsible for, our sin. Our sin makes us sad. It makes us sadder than we would ever dreamed it would make us sad. It, it makes other people sad. And that sadness, the sadness of our sin lasts a lot longer than we ever thought it would. I mean, we can get over being sick. We can recover from addiction. We, we can get through a divorce. We, we can grieve our way past the loss of a loved one. But sin clings to us. It's like we just are dead, stuck in our sins. But the great good news of the resurrection, the glad news of the resurrection, is even the sadness of our sin is coming untrue. When you believed that Jesus is God, who died on the cross for your sins and that God raised him from the dead, when you surrender your life to that ultimate reality, You are cleansed of all sin. Your slate is wiped clean. In fact, I love, when you surrender to Jesus, I love the promise of God's word. God will not constantly accuse us. He does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. He has removed our sins from us as far as east is from west. As a result, as a result, The sad news, the sadness of our sin is coming untrue. He's obliterated it by his resurrection power. His death on the cross, here's the deal. He was your substitute. He took my place. The punishment he endured was for us to pay for our sins. He took all the penalty of our sin. He even took all the consequence of our sin. He took, I have a hard time dealing with my guilt and shame. Can you imagine Jesus? He bore all the guilt and all the shame of the entire human race. He was made to be your sin that you might be made right with God. The sadness of your sin is coming untrue when you give yourself to Jesus. But there's more. Uh, The sadness, here's glad resurrection news, more of it. The sadness of death is coming untrue because of the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, I should say, the sadness of the fear of death is coming untrue because we all have to, on some level, wrestle with the fear of death of death. How many of you have been afraid that a loved one was going to die? Yeah, that's one level. How many of you have been afraid? You don't have to raise your hand. How many have been afraid that you were going to die? 
You know how my wife helps me get through the times when I'm afraid I'm going to die? She just asks for the passwords to our bank accounts. <laughs> no, we, we all, and the, the fear of death can consume us. Why? It's the uncertainty. We don't know for sure what's going to happen after we die. What's out there after death? We are afraid of death because we are uncertain. So guess what Jesus did? He died and he came back from the dead. He stayed substantially dead for a length of days that we would know he has fully conquered death, hell, and the grave. And when he comes back, he says, I'm certain, hey, the, the hereafter is a lot better and a lot longer than the here and now. So don't live for the here and now, live for the hereafter. He says, I beat death. And if you surrender to me, you will beat death too. I love the way C.S. Lewis wrote it. He writes, Jesus forced open a door that had been locked since the death of the first man. Jesus met, fought, and kicked serious butt. On Mom, if you're watching this service, please forgive me. Okay. Jesus met, fought, and beat the king of death. Everything is different because Jesus has done so, because Jesus has come back from the dead, because Jesus is victoriously risen, because Jesus has resurrected from the dead. It changes everything. Now, his closest followers, his closest followers had never read C.S. Lewis, so they didn't get this. They are locked away for fear of death. Let me show you. The disciples were gathered together behind locked doors because they were afraid. When Jesus died, their hopes, their dreams, I mean, they thought when Jesus died, that was it. Nobody expected Jesus to be risen from the dead. Nobody was like going, okay, time for the countdown. 10, 9, 8. They thought it was over. They thought it was done. All their dreams, all their hopes, all they were, their identity died when Jesus died. And they were afraid they were next. So they're locked behind closed doors. You know, when you're afraid of death, it fogs the brain. Because these men had, and women, just not that many days earlier, had heard Jesus make this promise. I am the one who raises the dead and gives them life again. Anyone who believes in me, even though he dies like anyone else, that person shall live again. He has given eternal life for believing in me. Isn't that wild? Jesus died for our sins. When we believe in him, check this out, we get eternal life for believing in him and shall never perish. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Yeah, they struggled with it. He asked them, and you know in that little huddle, they were all going like, yeah, duh, Jesus, we believe But when he dies on the cross, when his face is beaten beyond recognition, when his beard is forcibly pulled out by the roots, when he suffers horrific blood loss as he is spiked to the cross, as he is in anguish and death, they did not believe he was coming back. But he came back. And his victory is our victory. Right now, we get to do our relationships, even our finances, our emotions. We get to do our lives, Scripture says, in the incomparably great power by which God raised Jesus from the dead. 
the sad news of death is coming untrue. When a loved one's eyes close in death, that they have lived their lives, surrendered to Jesus, they instantaneously open in the presence of Jesus. Death is no more, has no power over us. We don't have to be afraid because everything sad about death is coming untrue because of the resurrection of Jesus. One, one more resurrection glad news. The sadness of our painful past is coming untrue. Everybody has a past. I have the pain in my past. You have the pain in your past. Maybe I'm responsible for the pain in my past. Maybe somebody else caused the pain in your past. Maybe the pain in your past is just from being alive. Nobody's fault, just because you're still sucking air on the planet. But everybody's got a painful past. Maybe the best way I can teach this story is to take you into one woman's resurrection experience. Let me show you. From the Word of God, after Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene. Oh my gosh. The woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. This woman is like the exorcist on steroids. Now, really, it's not funny, is it? Every seven demons, that means she is completely eaten up with evil. Every thought is evil. Every emotion is evil. All her words are evil. All her behavior is evil until she meets Jesus who by his great compassion and divine power completely purges her of any hint of evil. And she gets to breathe in his eternal life. She gets to soak in his love. She gets to inhale his peace and joy and hope. And as a result, from that point forward, if it was possible, wherever Jesus was, there you would find Mary. In fact, she was at the cross to witness his execution. She could not turn away from the one who had saved her in life. She, She was there when they removed the nails from his wrist and ankles and the life Less limp body was removed from the cross. She, she was there when they laid, wrapped that body in a linen shroud and laid it in, in a tomb. She could still hear and almost feel the crunch of the gravel as that enormous so, stone was moved and down to, to seal the tomb. And she was the first one there on Sunday morning. And as a result, she was the first person who gets to see Jesus. And not just to get to see him, but she hears him. Resounding in her soul, she hears Jesus calling her name, Mary. Now, 2,000 years later, Jesus is still showing up and showing off in the lives of those who seek him. And my deepest prayer for you this day is that you will hear his voice calling you into your next step in relationship with him. Here's what I learned. Here's why I believe. I mean, I wouldn't want to have my dirty laundry plastered all over Scripture for people to read for 2,000 years. Why does Mary have to have the bad of her, everybody reminded that she'd been possessed by seven demons? Here are my top four. My top, this is me, top four reasons. Glad news number one, no one is so bad as to be beyond his saving love. No one, not you, not me. Glad news number two, no one is so bad as to miss out on his compassion. He has great compassion. Glad news number three, no one is beyond all cleansing of guilt and shame. And glad news number four, no one is so broken who cannot be made whole. I'm a mess, you're a mess. We just wanna get our messes closer to Jesus where he can cleanse us, heal us, and make us whole. So, She sees Jesus. She hears Jesus. In fact, Jesus tells her to go. She wants to stay, but because he says go, she goes. Here's what happens. 
She went and told his companions. She runs. She gets there. She beats on the locked door. Let me in. I've seen Jesus. They opened the door. I mean, they were mourning and crying. And when they heard her say that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe her. They dismissed her. They disregarded her. They disrespected her. They did not believe. You see, they, they didn't know then what she had come to personally know about Jesus. They didn't know then what we know about Jesus, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, that Jesus is God in the flesh, that Jesus is God's indescribable gift, that Jesus is God's one and only son, that Jesus is the water of life, the bread of life, the the light of the world, the resurrection and the life, that Jesus is our great shepherd, our good physician, that Jesus is the caretaker of our souls, that Jesus is our friend that's taken closer than a brother. He's the lily of the valley the rose of Sharon, the bright and morning star. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the Lion of Judah, victorious over death. He is the one who died for our sins, who was raised from the dead, who has ascended to the right hand of God, where he is right now making everything sad come untrue. That's our Jesus. They didn't know that then. (laughs) but they were about to find out. Here's what happens. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating. He scolded them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel, Christ crucified for your sins and risen from the dead to everyone. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. So, In the year 2021, a whole year since an audience like this was in this room, this is still our church. Proclaim the gospel to everyone. So I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me, please. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me right now. We're going to pray it aloud. Keep your eyes open. It's the way my parents prayed at the dinner table so they could whack me if I got out of line. I want, us to pray. I want you to hear this prayer with the sound of your own voice. This prayer is nothing unless you mean it with all of your heart. Here's how we're going to pray. We're going to pray, dear God. We're going to pray together right now. Here we go together. Dear God, today I accept all that Jesus did for me on the cross. I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. Thank you for forgiving all my sin. Thank you that you're making everything new in me. You will never stop loving me. I will never stop loving you. I surrender all that I am to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.